Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. Uh, don't forget to check out our Cruise Radio Insider Facebook group. Yeah, it's our private group on Facebook. We kind of kick around the news and give our two cents. Just search Cruise Radio Insider on Facebook. All right. Well, we always like to hear your cruise reviews. If you have one you'd like to share, shoot me an email, Doug at CruiseRadio.net. Ted and his family just returned from a four-night Disney sailing aboard Disney Dream, and Ted joins us this evening. How are you doing, Ted? Hi, Doug. Doing great. Happy to be back with you. Yeah, man. Thanks for being on the show again. Uh, before we step foot on the Disney Dream, let's take a step back. Let me ask you, what made you want to take a Disney cruise and pick Disney Dream? Well, my family loves the cruise. Uh, this is our 12th cruise for my wife and I. Mm-hmm. Um, all the previous ones have been with Carnival, so we were looking for something different. We have a seven-year-old boy, and uh, he's actually done six previous cruises, too. And, you know, as a family, we always kind of got to try to figure out a way to mix in Mickey and Disney. So yeah. <laughs> to us, the cruising just sounded more, it was just more up our alley than going hanging out at the park on the blacktop in 90-degree weather for the day. Yeah, so, yeah. The uh, cruise was no-brainer for us. Nice. Very nice. So uh, you live up in Indy, so you had to get down to the Orlando area. So talk to us about the logistics getting down here. Sure. We do. Take me, which is a great tip, is we flew in a day early. We don't like to rush. We've done that before in our early days of cruising and made that mistake. And it's just a long day on that first day when you have to fly in and transfer over to the port. So we flew in the nice you know, day before, took our time, stayed at a hotel near the airport, and this time, we usually uh, we usually take our own transportation to the port since it's 45 minutes an hour away. But this time, we just decided to go all Disney. So we stayed at night at a hotel by the airport, went back to the ho- uh, airport in the morning, and then just jumped on the Disney transfers to the port. Do you know offhand what that cost the Disney transfer from the airport to the cruise port? I believe round trip, it's $70 per person. So okay. it is a little bit higher than normally because I know I can normally get transportation, you know, for my family, probably about 100 and a half. Mm-hmm. But uh this time with the Disney, I mean, once you drop your luggage off with them, you know, it doesn't show up again until the, to the port. So, it, you know, it's all good. So yeah. we just want to go ahead and go Disney this time. Yeah, yeah, totally worth it. you got to uh, embrace the Disney experience there. Um, so let's talk about getting Yeah, and they've to- got the real nice shuttles. Yeah, 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 exactly. Let's talk about getting to the cruise pier. How was embarkation for you once you got there? Embarkation was brief. I mean, I was a little afraid. I told the wife and the son, I said, pack your patience. It's going to be, this is a lot bigger ship than we're normally used to going. So there's going to be a lot more people. Mm-hmm. But we got to the cruise port. I mean, you know, in the Disney shuttle, we waited a few minutes to get off the shuttle as they got everything ready. We walked in, went through security in like five minutes, which is crazy. I thought it was going to be nuts. And this is probably at about 11 something in the morning. Okay. And uh, we got, uh, we went up to the line and got in line to uh, do our check in. And I bet we didn't wait in line more than 10 minutes. Everything was running very smoothly. We did all of our pre-board check-ins online, had all of our documentation printed out, ready to go. Even the lady at the counter said she really appreciates it when people do that. And mm-hmm. I recommend that to people because it just, we weren't at the counter five minutes. I mean, it just makes everything go so much more quicker. And our number for our boarding, because they board you kind of in waves, mm-hmm. had already been called. So we didn't even have to wait. We didn't even have to go sit and wait. We just walked right on the ship. What would you say from the curb to being on the ship? How long of a process was that in total? Half hour at the most. Oh, wow. It was that smooth. And I, and I I was shocked. I even told the wife afterwards with some of our other Carnival cruises, even being platinum on Carnival, we couldn't get through sometimes that fast. Yeah. And for a big ship, this was 
that's why I, I couldn't believe how fast everything was. And, uh, you know, Disney has, I think what they do more than other people, they, they just have so many people working <laughs> mm-hmm. and everything just goes so smoothly and they have enough people everywhere to point you in the right direction. And you're just not wandering around. Everything has a rhyme and a reason with Disney. That is so cool. So uh, well, you get on board Disney Dream, and since you were previously Carnival Cruisers before this sailing, what were your first impressions of Disney Dream? Well, me being the researcher that I am, we watched so many videos and mm-hmm. so many things, shows on TV, and listened to so many podcasts. We just wanted to kind of take it all in, and my son, he could not wait till they did that little <laughs> announcement when they say, welcome aboard the Demas family. Uh-huh. You know, and he just thought that was awesome, and you walk into their grand atrium there and it's just gorgeous and you're not overwhelmed by making or anything and i think that's what's classy about these ships is you know some people think you're going to be inundated with mickey and goofy all over the place Mm -hmm. you know even in the furniture and everything but it's not it's all classy and understated and it's just gorgeous so you know all we wanted to do was check out the ship as much as we can yeah very nice so you make your way to your stateroom so what kind of stateroom did you have and what did you think of it oh we did a uh Deluxe family stateroom. It was on deck seven, and we had one with a veranda. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's a little different from a balcony. In my measurements, I think it's probably about four or five feet deep and about eight or so feet wide. Plenty of room. It had two deck chairs on there um, and, a t- and a little table. I mean, it was just perfect size for what we needed to. I mean, you're not going to necessarily lay out on the deck on the veranda, but it's just nice having that extra space there. Being a past Carnival cruiser, how do the staterooms compare? Since we had the veranda, I think we had a little bit bigger room than we normally had with Carnival. But for three people, I mean, it was plenty of room. It has a little seating area and then the king-size bed. Obviously, what sets Disney apart from Carnival and and others is it has the split bathroom, Mm -hmm. which you have one bathroom, one side that has a shower with a tub, which is totally different, having a tub, and it has a sink. And then the other side of the bathroom also has a sink, but then it has the toilet. So. You know, two different rooms can have people getting ready, and it's it's just really nice. One having the tub, and two having the split bathroom. Very nice. Um, let's talk about dining because dining is a little bit different on Disney Cruise Line than other cruise lines. So uh, we'll start at the standard at the buffet area and work our way down from there. So, what do you think of the buffet food on Disney Dream? Sure, the Cabanas is their uh, buffet upstairs, and uh, it's just set up very nicely. It's set up in kind of sections, mm-hmm. which makes it, you know, easier to get around. It's not everybody clamoring into the same section. So you don't have very long waits in each little section. So you can kind of meander between sections where, and it kind of goes on both sides where one side might have the salad bar. And then the other side has different kinds of pop foods it might have the carving station area in one area. And then it might have your normal, you know, burgers, fries, chicken fingers in another area. And it always has their different types of food pizza on one side or maybe some Mexican food on another side. So it's it's very well spread out, and it's a nice selection of food. And I would definitely say the quality is above average. Did the burgers compare to uh, Guy's Burger Joint? I have not been on the 2.0 burger oh, okay. joint. I just, I just told a wife that I'm looking for our next cruise. I said, that's my next thing we're doing is we're getting a carnival ship with a 2.0 so I can get one of these guys' burgers that I keep hearing so much about. Absolutely. So uh, main dining room is a little different on Disney because it's on a rotational dining system. So how did that work out? Exactly. What you do is you have – there's three uh, dining rooms with them on a the rotational. We had the Enchanted Garden, the Royal Palace, and the Animator's Palace. You have your same dining room staff. They stay with you, and you rotate amongst those three. And we had a four-night cruise, so we did the Royal Palace two nights. And that's all already figured out for you ahead of time, and it's on your, I can't remember what they call the card, the cruise line card, mm-hmm. sail away card, fast away key card, sorry. And uh, so you know which room to go to and which uh, 
table you're going to sit at, and you're going to sit with the same people every night and have the same servers, which is nice. Because just like anywhere, they get to know you and uh, your preferences. And obviously, Disney does it, you know, A-plus quality. The servers are unbelievable. Uh, we had another family sitting with us. We didn't know them before the cruise, but they also had kids, and the servers, you know, took tons of time with the kids, cut their food for them. Nice. I mean, it was awesome. Did magic tricks for them. I mean, they, you know, couldn't treat them any better. With Disney Cruise Line, does it work the same with the other cruise lines? Like, can you do early, late, or anytime dining? I don't know about the anytime, but we did have the early scene, which was 545, and then I know they had a, I believe it was 745 or 8 o'clock dining as well. So okay. they did have the two times. I don't think they have the anytime dining just because of the way they rotate their dining rooms. Gotcha. Let's talk about entertainment. I might be wrong, but we just stayed at the same spot. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. Very nice. So let's talk about entertainment. What did you, what did you think, and what did your son think of it? Oh, he loved it. I mean, it was one of those things where going in, I was hoping he, you know, being a seven-year-old boy, I was hoping he wouldn't think he was too cool to, you know, see Mickey and see all the characters. And I'll kind of divide it up in between the characters and the actual entertainment. Uh-huh. Uh, the entertainment, when you see the shows, of course, the Disney first-round shows are awesome. They had a villain show the first night that we love to go see. And the other thing that they do, oh, they had a, they have other shows going on through the, the cruise as well that are just top-notch better than I've seen on any other cruise ship. They also have first-run movies that they can show on their ship because, as they said, they own them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one night we were able to go watch Ant-Man, which was just came out in Avengers. Ant-Man, my son loves Avengers, and watch that in 3D in one of their theaters one night, which is, which was pretty classic. And back to the characters, though, the difference with here is the characters are always accessible. They have different times of the day on different times of the ship. If you just kind of look at your personal navigator, and uh, they also have an app that you can follow. That you know, which connects to the ship's Wi-Fi, so it's not costing you anything. And uh, just find out where these characters are going to be around the ship, and they'll be there for 15 minutes or half hour. And it was so easy to go wait five or ten minutes and meet the characters, get a picture with them, and get an autograph if you want. And you see all these other people talking about, man, we wait two hours on the concrete in Orlando, you know, in the blazing sun just to meet Mickey, and we're able to knock out characters in 10 or 15 minutes. And just keep knocking them out. And I think my son ended up meeting like 15 different characters. They have that many different characters going on through the course of the cruise. Did they have Anna and Elsa from Frozen on there? I'm just curious. I don't remember seeing them. No. no. They they did have all the different princesses, which is huge. Mm-hmm. I can't remember all the princesses' names. <laughs> yes. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> exactly. Um, I learned a lot this cruise. I learned a lot about some Disney things that I did not know about. I'm not as well-versed as some others. But uh, it was quite entertaining to see everybody and the interaction that they had and I just couldn't believe how easy it was to meet the character. I was just hoping my son would get to see a few of them, mm-hmm. and it was amazing. He got to see tons of them, more than I didn't even know they would have out there. Yeah, it's just like people – I asked you about the Frozen uh, characters because people will wait in line at the Magic Kingdom or it might be Epcot now for uh, like up to eight hours to meet Anna and Elsa. The, oh, my goodness. And it's like, who, would, who wants to do that for a quick picture? I, I don't know. And all they're doing is, I mean, they're signing their names, but yeah. <laughs> you know, you could actually sign their names. It's no different. The thing I think I read about Anna and Elsa from Frozen, I think that might be on one of their Alaskan cruises. I think they have that theme on a different cruise. Yeah, and they also have a Norway cruise, too, they do, like the, with the whole Frozen Maybe theme. Yeah. Maybe there you go. Um, okay, so let's talk about the, did your son do the kids program at all? He did a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Um, he went a couple times. We checked him in the first day, and he walked around and saw what it was all about. And then he did go a couple other times, so the wife and I could, you know, go hang out for a little while and go check out some of the adult areas, because they do have quite a few adult areas on the ship. You know, mm-hmm. some people think thinks it's all kids all the time, but it's not. They have a really nice setup with different bars and lounges for adults as well. And uh, so he did take advantage of that. I mean, he liked it, what he did, but 
we just kind of the type of family where we do a lot of stuff together. We spend a lot of time at the pools and the slides. So, But he did enjoy it when he was there, and I never heard anything bad about it. Talk to us about the ship on sea days. How, how was the ship on sea days as far as passenger flow, both inside and outside? He took my line. That was my favorite line because you know that's what really defines a cruise ship, does <laughs> Yes, it, it really does. How a ship reacts on cruise days, on sea days. We never had a problem finding a chair. Um, most of the time, granted, we weren't trying to be right down there by the pool because mm-hmm. we spent a lot of our time over by the aqueduct. But just going around the ship, never a problem really finding a chair. My only drawback would be they have a Mickey pool and a Donald pool. Those are fairly small, and there's really not much you can do in them because they're just, they're just full of kids, which is fine, I guess. But they're not even really swimming. They're just kind of standing in the water. Granted, some of them are standing in the water because they have that big uh, TV screen there. And so a lot of them will just kind of hang out in the water and watch a movie or something that they would have showing on the screen. Mm-hmm. But the highlight was the aqueduct, yeah. the uh, water slide. It's a two-person raft that you go down. And my son and I just, we couldn't stop riding it. It was so much fun. During the day, it gets to be a little busy, maybe a 20-minute to 30-minute wait. But our little tip that I would share with you at the end of the show, but I'll share with you now, is... Mm-hmm. Since we had the early dining, a lot of times we would go right after dinner, change into our suits, and we could go ride that slide four or five times in a half hour instead of waiting a half hour to ride it once. Oh, nice. Because it wasn't quite as busy. So, And he just loved that. He, could, he couldn't stop riding. It was so much fun. How were the fireworks at, at sea on that ship? Our cruise, when we started, was their first, uh, the Halloween at sea that just started on our cruise for the for that season. And uh, so we had one night where they had a big Halloween party where they let kids go around trick-or-treating, give them handfuls of candy. The characters were dressed up in Halloween outfits, and uh, they were able to play some games with Halloween-style show they had going on. Mm-hmm. And then the fireworks at sea was their pirate night, which is a big deal, where they have a pirate show on deck, the characters all act out, they're dressed up in their pirate gear again. And then to culminate the show, since Disney's, the, I believe, the only cruise line allowed to shoot off fireworks, we were at the end of the show. They were shooting off fireworks, and our server gave us a nice little tip and told us where to stand. We went up to the starboard side, an extra deck up, and we had a perfect view of the fireworks shooting off the side of the ship. Nice. The, you, you mentioned it was um, Halloween at Sea, one of the first sailings. I'm, I'm a huge Disney fan. In fact, I like I, I so wanted to go to Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party, but I couldn't talk my nieces or nephews to going with me, so we didn't go. Oh man! <laughs> but um, how how was that experience? You mentioned the trick or treating and all that, but is it is it like the whole night is totally themed like that, or is the whole cruise like that? They have decorations, Halloween decorations up around the ship, mm-hmm. you know, for the whole cruise. So I mean. That's part of it, but I wouldn't say it's focused on the Halloween except for that night gotcha. where kids and parents are, you know, encouraged to, if they want to, wear their costumes to dinner, do whatever. In the atrium, they have the big Halloween show um, with the characters, the song and dance, and different sessions set up for games. And, I mean, when these kids were trick-or-treating, they left little bags in the state rooms for the kids to trick-or-treat with. I mean, they were literally giving them handfuls of candy. <laughs> these, you know, it was a nice little setup, and the they could just wear their outfits all day and uh, trick or treat have the party at night and wear them to dinner. And the next night was the pirate show. I mean, it was nonstop, kid. So, this Disney Dream cruise was a four night Bahamas sailing from Port Canaveral. It stopped at Nassau and Castaway Cay or Castaway Key, whatever you want to call it. So, uh, what did you do in both of those ports? Well, uh, Nassau was our second day on the ship. And being the fact that we've cruised so many times, taken a Bahamas cruise so many times, 
and they always end up at Nassau. Mm-hmm. We decided not to do much on Nassau, and since the ship was more of a destination this time, literally we got off the ship for 15 minutes, took some pictures of the ship, just take some pictures from the ground, and we got back on the ship, and we're like, we're going to go hang out at the pool and do some things around the ship and on the slide, hoping that a lot of people got off the ship in Nassau to go do stuff mm-hmm. and thinking we would might have a lot more of the ship to ourselves. And I must say, I think we were wrong because a lot of people had the same idea because <laughs> the ship was still pretty full. The pools were full, the slide was still full. And so I was a little disappointed we didn't get more of the ship to ourselves, but we still had a good time hanging out. We had great weather. So we still played in the pools and the water slides for the day in Nassau. That, that was like my idea in Freeport a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, everyone's going to get off and go to the beach or go to the uh, down to Lucaya. No one got off this ship. It was like everybody, the pools were crowded, the restaurant lines were longer than sea days almost. I'm like, okay, everyone had the same idea I did, I guess. <laughs> I know. I, it felt like a sea day. I was really surprised on how many people were still on the ship in Nassau. Your next stop was Castaway Key. So uh, what did you think of the island? I've never been there before. Castaway Key is Disney's private island, and I must say it's fantastic. The ship mm-hmm. docks right there on the beach. They have little tram shuttles that take you to different parts of the beach. The beach is kind of sectioned off where they have a couple different family areas of water. They have a different areas where they do some excursions. They have an adults-only area, and it'll drop you off in those sections. And I must say, the beaches are fantastic. You're right there on the beach. And one of the highlights is Disney. You don't have to get back on the ship to eat. They actually provide a lunch for you down in different parts of the beach where they have these like barbecue things that where they have barbecue chicken and ribs and chicken sandwiches and hamburgers and hot dogs and, and all the sides and fixings. And I must say, this is going to sound silly, but that might have been the best lunch I had the whole week on the ship was the uh, lunch they made for us down on the uh, beach. Castaway Key is gorgeous. I recommend it. I mean, you can, you're literally in the water with the ship right there in the background. It makes for some great picture opportunities. All right, Ted, well, in closing here, do you have any first-time tips for people sailing Disney Dream? Sure, got a couple. A couple of great ones would be if you have a smartphone, download their app. It's a personal navigator app. It's going to have the same information that you get on the little paper handouts in the cabin every day. But this app, all it does is connects to the ship's Wi-Fi, so you're not using your data, so it's not going to cost you anything. But that app has all the information that you need. It shows you where everything's going on. And the best part about it is two things. One, it gives you a little chat feature. So if your wife or somebody's on the other side of the ship and you need something, you know, you can communicate with the chat as long as they have the app up. And the other thing is it shows especially where the characters are going to be. If Mickey's going to be in the lobby at 9 o'clock till 9.15, you know where he's going to be. And it gets all that information. So it's a great thing. To, you know, most people are still carrying their phones with them, even on the ship, to take pictures at least. So... I would highly recommend downloading the app. Very nice. And uh, in closing, your final thoughts of Disney Dream. Disney Dream being a previous Carnival, you know, cruiser, yes, it's more expensive. And it's, you know, like everybody says, you get what you pay for. They, Disney Dream was recently voted, I believe, by USA Today as the number one ship in the fleet. And, you know, it lives up to its reputa- reputation. You're going to pay a little bit more, but the service you get is unparalleled. From the quality of the food, from the quality of the service, all around the ship. Not, you know, nobody has... You know, I don't think anybody has ever been taught to say no on that ship. So they, they all do a fantastic job of appeasing uh, anything and everything that you might want. And if you have the means to be able to take the cruise, some people I know, they, they cruise Disney all the time. You know, we can't afford to do that all the time, but it was a great change of pace. And I highly recommend everybody fitting in. And it's not just for kids. There was a lot of people that were just couples sailing on the ship without kids, which kind of surprised me. Um, but it, it can be for everybody. There's a little bit of something for everybody on the ship. 
We've been talking with Ted. Him and his family just returned from a four-night sailing a Bahamas cruise from Port Canaveral to Nassau and Castaway Cay aboard Disney Dream. Ted, thanks so much for being on the show, my friend, and talk to you soon. Thank you, Doug, for the time. I appreciate it. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. We always like answering your questions here on Cruise Radio. Today, we're tackling shore excursion questions with CruisingExcursions.com. We have Shelly and Ryan hanging out with us this morning. What's up, guys? Hey, Doug. How are you? Hello. Hey, hey. Good, good. Now, our first question comes from Beverly. She is visiting or actually sailing on Carnival Vista in 2016, and she wants to know if she's able to book her shore excursions now. Uh, Definitely, yeah. We do have cruise excursions available for all major cruise lines and ships for 2016. We do now have packages Set up on the website for the Carnival Vista, and we're very much looking forward to the Carnival Vista coming over to Mediterranean next year. So, yep, you can pre-book your short excursion today for 2016 and just pay a 25% deposit. Very good. Our next question is from Nancy. She says, we're cruising on Norwegian Epic and disembarking in Rome. Uh, would we be able to take an excursion and be dropped off at the airport? Yes, definitely. Uh, we do offer a Turungo uh, Classic Rome tour, and I've looked enough to do this in the past, so I can speak from, uh, from experience. Um, with our tour and go, classic Rome tour, you are met by our cruising excursions representatives uh, when you disembark in the morning of your cruise. You're then transferred to transport. Again, dependent on numbers and arrangements, it could be a minibus, a court, or a private car. Um, and also to put people's mind at rest, uh, your luggage will be safely stored throughout the duration of the excursion. Uh, and within this tour, you're taking the sites of the Coliseum, the Trevor Fountain, uh, Spanish Steps, uh, as well as St. Peter's Square, before you then transferred to your airport for your flight home. Nice. So this is this is like a, uh, a mini highlights tour? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Try and pack as much as we can in mm-hmm. before we have to transfer you through to the airport. I've never actually flown out of the Rome airport. Uh, as for the Rome city center into the airport, is it a far uh, drive? Um, from the port to Rome itself, it's mm-hmm. approximately one hour, okay. uh, one and a half hours. And then from Rome itself to the airport, depending on which one, it could be 20 minutes to half an hour, depending on traffic. Gotcha. Very nice. Our next question is from Don, and Don says, we are visiting St. Petersburg and spending overnight in port. What excursions would you recommend? There are so many to do in St. Petersburg. I came back in August, and it was just blew my mind. Um, people that are staying overnight don't really realize how lucky they are because there's so much to do when, you know, St. Petersburg starts going dark. The ballet I went on the first night was superb. I went to see Swan Lake, mm-hmm. and I think if people don't go and see that, they're truly missing out. I also went to see an evening folk show, which has the uh, National Russian Dance Troupe performing in it. It was absolutely something I've never seen before, and something I can highly recommend for those staying overnight. Mm-hmm. 
I also sort of took part in the two-day tour as well that you can do um, with cruises and excursions. And it's a nice sort of way to try and see as much as St. Petersburg has to offer because it takes you almost everywhere. Um, so I got to see the Church on Spilt Blood, which was such an amazing building. There's so many mosaics that are inside. Most people haven't seen anything as beautiful, especially in you know, condition of it being sort yeah. of a tourist attraction. It is truly sublime. And um, the Hermitage, of course, was stunning. Everywhere that you look in St. Petersburg, it glitters. There's gold leaf everywhere. And you can imagine how beautiful it is from pictures on Google or you know, documentaries that you've seen about the czars and things like this book. Until you actually get there, you can't really see how majestical it really is. It's an amazing city to visit. Even for people that have been there before, there's so much to sort of see and explore that you can't possibly fit in mm-hmm. to one stay. So you could go, you know, on a canal cruiser so you can see the city from a different aspect. It's got lots of canals. It's something that not many people know. It's um, They've tried to sort of design the city when it was first being sort of constructed by St. Peter the Great and um, to have so many canals so that it could be likened to the Venice of, in nice. Europe. So that's what they tried to achieve. And you can also go to Moscow as well. So if you've been there before, you could do a day trip to Moscow. But really, really very lucky people to stay overnight. So much to see and so much to do. You know, when you do book a cruise in excursions, excursion for St. Petersburg. We also throw in the visas for your charge as well. So when you do make a booking, all you need to do is provide your passport information mm-hmm. and we take care of that for you. And it saves you having to go through what I went through <laughs> in the Russian visa department, which was an experience to say the least. You know, this rarely happens to me, Shelley, but I was getting goosebumps when you were talking about uh, about St. Petersburg because you're right. It's just so awesome, and pictures online don't do it justice at all. With that said, though, uh, when you get there, how is it for English-speaking people? Is there a translation issue, or is it pretty clear and pretty acceptive of the English language? I didn't find that there was a language barrier. Pretty much everywhere you sort of go on the tours, there are you know, English signs everywhere. The guides spoke impeccable English mm-hmm. very, very well. Almost everybody in sort of the restaurants and the bars to the shops, they were, they were all speaking English. I didn't find any kind of communication barrier at all. Our next question is from Marcy in California. We are visiting Barcelona and would like to explore at our own pace. What excursion would you recommend? I always recommend the sort of hop-on, hop-off tours mm-hmm. um, for Barcelona because... The route that it takes is so sort of easy, especially if you're staying in a hotel, if you're doing sort of a pre-cruise or post-cruise option. So you can choose your nearest bus stop to where it is that you're staying. Um, You can also do it, obviously, if you're going there for the day um, with the cruise line as well. And it's a really short walk from the port to the first sort of bus stop. That way you can kind of get on and off whenever you wish. You don't have to take part in part of a tour that you're particularly not that interested in, so you can just skip one and and go to the next stop. But it includes all of the main highlights of Barcelona, such as, you know, the Sagrada Familia, Mm -hmm. um, New Camp Stadium, and even just the park is a great place to go and spend in Barcelona, especially with those with uh, younger children. They've also got sort of a different commentary for 
families with younger children so that the kids don't get bored on the bus. Mm-hmm. So it's a really good one to do if you want to do it independently. Barcelona is one of the cities that uh, you should walk and do it at your own pace because it's very walking friendly. Oh, absolutely. But taxis as well are so cheap. If you do find that you get tired, you know, Mm -hmm. it's something that you can do. But you actually save money when you're doing the hop on, hop off tour because then you don't have to factor in any taxi costs. So it's a really good way to get around the city. Our last question is from Vicky in Canada. We have a group sailing aboard Caribbean Princess visiting the British Isles in 2016. What group benefits do you offer? Uh, we offer quite a lot of group benefits. We have a dedicated groups manager and also some group sales department executives. So we're able to take part through the whole process from the initial inquiry through to you returning home and go through all of the questions to make sure that we tailor-make Mm-hmm. or ensure that all of the tours that you've put together for your group are completely suitable. So we'll go through all of the aspects of the tours. Obviously, then that will help us give great service to yourself and offer competitive rates as well. We offer lots of booking discounts and free places in certain destinations based on group sizes. And we incorporate all of the transfers and any entrance fees if you're going inside monasteries or you're going inside the Vatican or anything else that's been tailor-made to your trip is all included in one cost so it makes it easier for you to plan with the group. We also include sort of different types of vehicles so it doesn't matter if your group is 12 people or if it's 500 people we make sure that everybody on the tour is together with a dedicated tour guide that Our guides speak the language of the group. We often tailor-make for different languages. So if you need a Russian guide in the middle of Dublin, we arrange for that to happen. If you need a Mandarin-speaking guide in Argentina, we can arrange that for you. So we try to tailor-make flexible tours for the group and include the very best sort of group deposits and also make sure that there are no waiting times for any of the tours so that the tour runs as smoothly as possible no matter what the group size. Very nice. We've been talking with Shelley and Ryan over at cruisingexcursions.com. If you want to find out any of the links to the excursions we talked about, just check out the show notes at cruiseradio.net. Shelley and Ryan, always a pleasure talking to you. You too, Doug. Thanks for having us. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Overseas Radio Network, iTunes, or at cruiseradio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.